audio check. Today's episode is going to be the audio from a talk I gave at the PQA annual meeting not too long ago. Uh, it's going to be around patient engagement and uh, voice technologies, and I'm real passionate about how I think you know uh, voice is going to be a huge factor in engaging our patients, educating them, and providing access to healthcare. So, in that talk, one of the main takeaways I had was a graph about usage and voice adoption versus like all other technologies, and um, I'm going to include a link to that graph in the show notes. So, make sure to check that out if you want to see what I've referenced. Um, I did give the talk a couple different times, uh, so towards the end is going to be a mashup of all the questions that I received. Uh, there might be a little repetitiveness to that because there was a um, you know, main concern about a lot of these new voice devices uh, is privacy. And, and a, so I did answer that a couple different times, so, so uh, it might be a little repetitive, but um, you might find a little bit of nuances there. So um, I kind of left, um, left all those in, so hope you enjoy. <laughs> My name is Richard Waith. I'm the president of VUCA Health, and I want to talk to you guys today about patient engagement, kind of like a state of the union as to where we're at in terms of people using digital, people owning smartphones, and where their attention is. Um, VUCA Health, we're a content provider. Uh, we specialize in medication education videos. We've actually created the largest library of them in both English and Spanish. Uh, we're covering about 90% of what's dispensed at a pharmacy today, and we also have a library of over 200 specialty medications. We've been in business for six years now. And we are, uh, started off by serving independent pharmacies, um, but we've moved into the specialty space. We've also developed an API that can integrate uh, the medication education videos into websites, patient portals, and mobile apps. I kind of want to start off by like a state of the union as to like where we are in terms of digital usage. And uh, this is mainly backed, the, the reason that I decided to kind of go through these things is because when I'm talking to a lot of potential customers or people that I'm trying to get them to be more digital with their patient engagement, most of their um, objections are, well, my patients aren't on it, or how are my patients gonna see things like that? So I really wanted to set the playing field here with what the usage is in terms of people being digital. So people over 65, 46% of them, so almost half of the patients that you're gonna see over 65 actually own a smartphone. In terms of adults in general, 77% of them own a smartphone. Um, it goes up if you look at owning a cell phone, it's like 95% of the population actually has a cell phone, but 77% of them have a smartphone. What are they doing on that phone? Like what, where does their attention lie? And, and I think that's an important thing to, to talk about because when we think about engagement and we think about reaching people and, and having an impact and changing their behavior, you first have to understand where's their attention. And I think it's important to go over that and show that when these people are using their phones, um, which they're doing a lot, the attention, especially in specific age populations, are in certain areas, um, and two of those mainly being YouTube and Facebook. So for the, um, for the age group between 50 and 64, 70% of, of that population is on YouTube. 68% of them are, util are utilizing Facebook. Now, when you go over 65, it drops off a little bit, but it's still a pretty big number in terms of people that are actually using these platforms. So almost 40% of people over 65 are actively using YouTube and 46% of them are using Facebook. Now YouTube's important because it is the, not only is it the second most used search engine behind Google, um, that's also the traffic to a website. It's, it has the globally the second most traffic to a website in the world um, and what we essentially know as 
the World Wide Web. And that's, it's, it's crazy to think about that video consumption is just such a huge factor in what, what we're currently going through in the, digital, in the digital wave. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, they're, they're pretty crazy. Like 100 million hours of video are watched by, on Facebook specifically per day. And it jumps ridiculously to YouTube and guilty. Like I'm watching GIFs all day and like some of those viral videos, they're hilarious. I'm gonna watch it probably four or five times and then I'm gonna share it and then make sure like three of my friends probably saw that same video. So I mean, it's, it's pretty, and, and we are not, like it's not just us in this room that are doing that. As, we, as I mentioned before, like people are on this. And the other day my mom was like, yeah, I was, you know, how she asked me about some random question. I forgot exactly what it was, but she was like, yeah, I saw it on your, I saw it on your Instagram story. And I was like, excuse me. I was like, first of all, how did you navigate to get to my Instagram story? Cause you know, if you're on Instagram, that's not an easy thing to get to. Like you have to do a couple things. But to me, I'm like, I had to take a step back. Like, man, I really just assumed that my mom couldn't do that. But there, you know, there's a certain pop age population that are using the same social media platforms that we are. Um, you know, as, as I'm looking at a bunch of young faces in the crowd. So I, and I, I it, it's, it's something that we need to start paying more attention to and giving, you know, people above 65, even 70, 80, the benefit of the doubt is that they're, they're using digital, um, they're, they're using digital platforms. So knowing that, knowing that we have all that engagement and all that attention digitally, what are we doing now for helping to educate our patients and engage them with their healthcare? Most organizations are using paper. Um, most pharmacies are still giving out patient ed sheets, med guides. Um, some are linking those sheets digitally to apps. And I say some because most healthcare organizations don't even have an app that their patient can log into or use. Texting is becoming a lot more prevalent. Um, there's a company called Relay Health that's pretty cool. Uh, they actually allow you to, uh, organizations to send a text message. And in that text message is a link to a login portal, essentially, and it's a HIPAA secured login portal that uh, people can get access to, which is, I think it's, it's moving definitely in the right direction um, and getting patients engaged. But a lot of companies are also still relying on call centers and in-person um, in visits. So I'm a pharmacist and I completely understand how important it is to talk to our patients face-to-face -face or even on the phone um, because it's great to get you know, feedback, to get their emotions, to get their responses. Um, and also provide empathy to let them know that you're you know, really actually trying to help them be healthier. But what I also know as a pharmacist is that talking to a patient at discharge is probably one of the worst times to talk to a patient about important information about their healthcare, right? What's on their mind mostly is that they wanna figure out how to get back into their daily routine um, and get back home and get back into the things that they do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yet we're trying to sit there and hand them like books of paper and then also educate them on exactly how not to come back in 30 days. So it's a it's a it's a interesting paradigm that we're trying to we're trying to work with here, especially if you're looking at patients at discharge. Now, one of the bigger challenges I do see, though, is portal fatigue. Um, now, we talked about, you know, uh, companies having mobile apps and being able to give patients access to that information. But then it, all of a sudden now the patient has 15 different portals from all their different providers. Like, how do they know which one to log into? So what are the trends that I think is, is kind of is coming along with patient engagement? The first one is mobile, mobile management apps. Um, has anyone here heard of MediSafe before? Okay, great. So um, two people here, that's great. So MediSafe actually has 5 million users right now. Um, they're one of the more popular medication reminder apps in the app store. 
Um, there's like four or five other competitors, and I'm sure there's you know many more. There's dozens more probably trying to compete, but they have a ton of users in 150 countries. And I think companies like Apple, potentially Amazon, um, they haven't hinted at anything like that. But Apple has talked about having health records on your iPhone, and I think these are these type of apps. I think are a step in the right direction towards dealing with that portal fatigue. And making sure that patients can kind of keep everything in one place in a centralized location, and I think that's really important for engagement because it just helps them with understanding and increasing that health literacy. So the next thing I want to talk about is voice. So yesterday uh, there was a question asked, and David, you're here in the uh, you're on the panel yesterday, and they asked you uh, what are you most excited about uh, in terms of you know, the digital wave and what's coming in technology. And uh, what immediately came to me was voice. And the reason is, is because of this graph. So if you look at what this graph is showing is, this is the year, this, this is um, the years that something has been on the market. And this is the rate essentially of adoption by the population. So you have a computer, internet, radio, TV, smartphone. Over 20 years, this is what that looked like in terms of the adoption. Smartphone really came and kind of made that significant. But look at where the smart speaker is. It's, it's pretty ridiculous to see that rate of adoption. And it's also understandable. A smartphone now is $1,000 if you look at the most common one that everyone wants versus a smart speaker is $30. And you could actually probably do a lot of the same things on your Alexa than you can on your smartphone. And if, any, if you're going to take away like anything from this, I would say is this should be this graph because I think to me the most exciting thing that's going to come and it's the next wave, I think, of patient engagement is going to be voice technology. And you have to think about it, right? You think about the patient that's over 70. The reason why that number is 46% of usage is because cell phones are complicated. They're not easy to use. They're not. Yes, they're intuitive once you can kind of understand what to do, but they're not easy to use. Now, given that your patient can communicate with you, if they're talking to you, there's a high possibility they've been talking since they've been three years old, right? And that's maybe conservative. And so it's the barrier to entry is so ridiculously low, while you're still going to be able to get so much access essentially to every piece of information that's on the internet, I think that's an important thing to understand. So what what can you do on these devices? Um, let's, what, what's the picture that's on there right now is a company called, it's from a, a screenshot from a company called Orbita. And I, I, I'm not um, being paid. We don't work with them. They're not a partner or anything like that. But I love what they're doing because if any of you guys have heard of WordPress um, or you know, some of these website builders, Orbita is that but for voice. So they've essentially made it easy where you can almost drag and drop experiences and create voice apps. Um, so I just wanted to quickly point them out just to show you that, you know, this is something that is actually becoming a lot more easier to create on. But what can you really do on these things? So there's two different ways to use a, a, an Alexa. The first way is um, enabling what's called a skill. And you can think of a skill as like an app. So you look, when you go to the, your iPhone, you look at your, you go to the app store, you can download an app. Same thing with an Alexa. You can just say, hey, Alexa, enable the, you know, the CVS skill, let's say. Um, so that's one way. The second way is a flash briefing. Um, which essentially is kind of like when you look at, you know, you go to Yahoo Finance, or you go to, you know, some uh, health news site, and you're just kind of skimming through the headlines. So what a flash briefing is, is similar to that, but in audio form. And essentially, you can create whatever, you can curate 
whatever um, content you want there. So you can have five different things. You can put your NPR, you can put your weather, you can put National Geographic, and th those people are creating content daily. And you would just say, hey, Alexa, what's my flash briefing? And it'll know to go through a sequence that you've um, put in order as a quick tip or quick information for the day. So I think that looking at those two different types of ways that you can interact with them, there's so much potential for being able to engage your patients and provide them with information. So if you look at um, a quote from Campbell's uh, VP of Digital Marketing, we believe that the impact of voice is gonna be a bigger, we, be we believe that the impact of voice is going to be a bigger impact on the consumer journey than Google search was in the 2000s. And the reason that's important is because if you look at the way people search now, when they go to Google, they just type in a question, but they have to go to Google. They have to pull, reach into their pocket, pull out their phone, or go to their computer, go to Google, type in, hit enter. There's a lot of things that you have to do to hit search to find that. Whereas with a, with a voice device, you can actually just say, hey Alexa, um, you know what happened this day in 1969? And the friction that's there is, is almost zero. And I think that's why it's, this is an important thing to kind of pay attention to. So this is another quote from a research that, I, the reason why I wanted to put this up there is to show you the massive amount of actual devices that are out there right now. Um, just last year, it was almost 47 uh, million people that had essentially a smart, a smart speaker in their, in, their, in their household. So we, I kind of talked to you about the two different ways to use it, but I wanted to get real specific here and what I think is happening in healthcare is gonna happen in healthcare. So right now we can ask an Alexa, hey, what's the weather like outside? Alexa, tell me a joke, or my personal favorite, Alexa, play songs by Lil Wayne. Um, but what I think is gonna really happen in healthcare is they're gonna start, and it's happening now, there's apps that are being built on the platform now to integrate with pharmacy management systems that essentially people are gonna say, you know, Alexa, tell me about my heart pill that I just picked up. And that machine is gonna know, it's gonna have a list of all the medications that the patient picked up over the last, over the last week that they're gonna be able to see that um, and get information on. They're also gonna be to just order a refill. I mean, you think about what that's like now. You can, some of them are texting you now, letting you know that there's a reminder. But imagine you can just say, hey Alexa, please refill prescription number one, two, three, four, five. I mean, these are, these are things that I think are, are realities that are gonna be happening way before we know it. And not only they're gonna be able to interact with their pharmacy, I, I think even with physicians offices, they're gonna have that in there as well. You're gonna be able to set up your appointment um, you're, you're going to be able to collect data points. Uh, what, what was really interesting to me, I think, was um, at the PQA leadership event last year, you know, big focus was on uh, social determinants of health and loneliness. And um, I think that one of the key factors to helping with loneliness is putting one of these devices in there, in their home. And if you think about it, if the patient's feeling lonely, one, you can collect that data point because you can analyze their behavior um, because of the different things that they can do on there. Um, you can add, maybe they're asking certain types of questions that could be associated with loneliness. Um, the other thing that they can do is say, hey Alexa, call my daughter. And right then and there, they can have their daughter in the room with them, um, either through that, through that device. Facebook came out with Facebook portal, they can um, kind of video in and they're, they're right there in the house with them. So uh, there's a lot of different things that, and a lot of different use cases um, and, and reasons why I think it's important to, not to say that it's gonna be the only thing that people are gonna engage with, but that it's gonna be a real important factor in, um, in patient engagement, so. And I know right now the big, obviously we have to deal with what we have now and what patients are using, which is mobile devices and, and websites. 
But I think it's important to understand how some of these, uh, how, how these voice devices are going to work. Because I actually think if you look at trying to give access to technology and trying to reach and have an impact as many people as possible, I think that a voice device is going to be um, one of the keys in making that happen. So um, thank you guys very much for your time. And I, we do have like five minutes, I think, for questions. So I'd love to talk to you guys about any questions. And again, I have a booth um, out there as well if you guys want to talk a little bit more about our medication education videos. Yeah. Yes. What risk do you see with these devices, uh, given you know recent news about Alexa and other devices picking up on conversations and seeing you know, the potential to use it in various ways? So privacy is definitely something that's um, probably becoming, you know, there's people now that are talking about how data is way more valuable than oil is now. And we understand that that's going to be a huge thing to barrier to overcome. The problem is, is that everyone's phone in here right now is listening to every word I'm saying, as it is now. And if I say, if I say loud enough, hey Siri, someone's phone is going to prop up and probably respond. So. The problem is that no one really knows it's there, but it's already there. So now we have to be able to communicate and mitigate that um, and, and try to minimize that risk. As professionals, we understand the, the problems with data and what, how it can be used incorrectly. But if you look at the consumer and their behavior, they particularly, the majority of them, I'm not saying obviously there's, there's groups that have advocated and formed to fight against this. But if you just look at the general consumer, they don't care. But they're willing because of the convenience that this thing provides and this will provide and, and what our phone provides because of the convenience and the access that this and the information that we're getting, they don't really care about where their data is. And that's not to say that we that we shouldn't care, which is, you know, I'm not saying that, but I think there's we're in a great situation where we have professionals that are worried about it and working to fix it. Like uh, the Alexa just became HIPAA compliant maybe in the last month or so. So we do have, you know, the, the companies are working towards it. Apple is probably one of the biggest leaders in security right now. But the, also the great thing I think is that in general, the consumer doesn't really care. All right, no questions. Well, thank you guys so much. Oh, two questions. Okay, sorry, I rushed that out. I can hear you, I can hear you. Yeah. It's definitely a problem and issue and something that we have to address. And Apple is doing great at making sure that privacy is being respected. Um, and I think they're leading that that way in that um, on that frontier. Uh, the Alexa just became HIPAA compliant. But if you think about we think about the issues with that right now, everyone's smartphone is already listening to us. So we've kind of already we've kind of already missed that boat. Like if I say, hey, Siri, someone's phone might pop, like say something. Right. So it, it's always it's always listening as it is now. And I think people just don't know. And as that word starts to get out, it's going to the questions are going to be it's going to come up more. But if we look at the way that we have to look at the data of like of that graph of like people are not concerned about it because 
they're outweighing the convenience and the access to it over concern about their privacy. So I do think it's important. I think it's something that we have to address, but I also think it's something that is going to be a lot less, um, there's going to be a lot less friction to adoption in the time to come. Is your organization I really appreciate that question. So uh, our content right now um, is made for that this particular um, device. It's not to say we, that's what we started off in, in the beginning with, um, but all our audio has high quality audio. Um, all our and it, some of these devices we talked about the thirty dollar device. There's a hundred and hundred and fifty dollar device that has a screen on there which can you can load up a video. So our videos are specific, and they will be. We're working on that now. Our videos and audio will be available through the Alexa at some point for a patient to ask about their prescription. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, we also think about the the privacy situations and, and, and where we're at there, but everyone's phone right now is listening. If I scream out, and I don't want to say it too loud, but if I scream out, hey Siri, someone's phone might, you know, might pop up a little bit. So it's they're all listening, and I think we've kind of passed that boat in terms of privacy and collecting information. But I think what's going to happen is, and there's apps that do this now, as a patient wakes up and they start interacting with their voice, um, there's a health a skill that might ask, you know, how did you sleep? And if that's a data point that it's collecting, um, and that's going to translate it to someone else. We talk about social determinants of health and loneliness. That device, having that device there, you could easily, you know, a patient can easily say, call my daughter, or it can easily have some interactions, tell me a story. So you look at the different ways that you can even um, uh, gather that it's potentially even feeling lonely because it said, call, you know, XYZ family member. There's, a, there's so much data points that you can get from that. That um, that wasn't available before. So, yeah. Question back. Yeah, you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I understand you're really bullish about this technology, but you said it was really no friction there. But I think there is some kind of friction where you say something and it misinterprets it, and that's a lot. So when you say it again and it doesn't get it, you know that he's Yeah. So if you look at the accuracy of what some of these things are doing, it's like it's over 95% of what it can actually understand. And yeah, it's, it's gotten to be pretty ridiculous now. Now, beyond that, and to your point about, about the friction, I think that's up to us to be able to design those interactions. So you think about designing a voice skill, it's a whole nother world of design. It's a whole nother, you know, you think about UI, UX, it's a whole nother world in skills that as humans, we have to be able to design to make sure when it's asking something, we know what it's trying to talk about. Uh, another thing that happens on there, and that's also up to us, is if for some reason the patient tries to ask something, what is supposed to happen if it doesn't understand is give it some guidance. 
it's supposed to say, okay, but did not understand that, but you can ask for this particular skill, you can ask things like, tell me about my medication or refill prescription number X, Y, Z. So, and I think that that friction, and, and I said zero, but it, it's really more like relatively speaking compared to if you, if you put a patient in a room that's never interacted with any device out, out there and you put a cell phone in their hands and then you put a voice to, the device next to them, they're going to be able to use that voice device a lot easier um, with more simple instructions. But I also think it's going to be up to us to be able to, to design these things and become experts at designing these experiences for patients so that friction isn't there. Similarly to how you think about what the first app on an iPhone was, I think it was like drinking a beer or something like that. Like you think like 10 years ago, what that was like, but look at where it's at now. And I think over time, we're going to get better at designing these experiences for patients where they're going to run into less problems in terms of trying to interact with it. Exactly. And then they even have, they've, uh, um, Alexa or Amazon just came out with a health kit um, recently. And essentially that health kit is basically a group of language that is healthcare specific. So before that, and I know this because um, when Alexa first uh, came or when it was getting big, like a couple of years ago, I actually developed um, a top 200 skill on there. But when I developed that skill, it didn't have this health kit. So I had to phonetically go in and input how you say lisinopril, not the spelling of it, but what it sounds like um, for 200 drugs because it didn't have that health kit in there. So that was a challenge, but it's something that they basically kind of figured out. So now if you are developing a skill and your developer enables that health skill, it'll pick up a lot more on a potential healthcare term that a patient might be using instead of someone that's not using a healthcare skill. What other questions do you guys have? I got two minutes. Great. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your show. Hope you got some value out of that talk. Um, I do apologize for the... Um, audio there that kind of the questions might have been kind of faint to hear so um, hopefully it was something that you're able to pick up in your speakers uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts too about kind of this whole you know voice space um, and how we're going to be engaging our patients definitely reach out let me know um, what you think if you have some similar concerns if uh, um, you know if you're excited about it as well I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts as well um, again thanks for listening really do appreciate that as always um, make sure to subscribe if you haven't yet and connect with me on any of your favorite social media platforms Hope you have a great rest of your day.